Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. Now, you know I am a big fan of audiobooks, and now you know who I trust most with my audiobook purchases. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. I'm currently listening to Zenobia July, a novel by Lisa Bunker. It's a bold, heartfelt story about a trans girl solving a cyber mystery and coming into her own, and I cannot get enough of this book. And I got it on Libro! Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Darius is not someone who is defined by his depression. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 531. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm speaking with Adib Kuram about Darius the Great is not okay. In Adib's debut novel, we meet Darius, Dariush, a nerdy, overweight, Iranian-American boy who you will love deeply from the outset. I was rooting for Darius hour by hour as I listened to this audiobook, and what I was left with each time I paused to step away from the story was the picture of a complex if not broken kid who is seeking the realest connection to those around him, but feels perhaps like he'll be denied it because he's not what he thinks others want him to be. But perhaps I'm putting too much of myself onto the story, and onto my description here, because Darius was a character with whom I identified strongly. The book, as Adib puts it, is a love story of friendship. Please welcome my guest, Adib Karam, author of Darius the Great is Not Okay. Uh, my name is Adib Karam. I use he, him, his pronouns. 
I am the author of Darius the Great is Not Okay, which came out in August of 2018 from Dial Books for Young Readers. And I have a picture book called Seven Special Somethings, a Noru story that's coming out from Dial in spring of 2021. When I am not writing, I have a day job as a graphic designer, videographer, and projectionist in Kansas City, Missouri, where I live and work. And when I'm not working or writing, I am learning how to figure skate. Hey, that is amazing. How long have you been working on learning how to figure skate? Um, when did Yuri on Ice first come out? Basically oh, ever since I saw the anime Yuri on Ice. For real? Wow. Well, good for you for like committing to it and learning. And that's awesome. Thank you. The closest I've come to figure skating, other than being at a um a skating rink and seeing someone practicing in the middle and just <laughs> almost crashing into other people because I'm watching them would be um Tilly Walden's uh, memoir Spinning, which is uh you know a graphic memoir of her in her like semi professional figure skating career. Oh, I have seen that. I've been meaning to read it, uh, except I'm perpetually behind in all of my reading and it's a nightmare but this makes two of you that i've ever met in my life that are like focused on figure skating at least at one point of your life or another which is really fascinating to me so good for you keep on that as well as you know writing would be good too i would be great <laughs> <to> keep writing <laughs> i plan to <laughs> so i i'm i'm aware as as in most cases with middle grade and ya that i am late to the party for Darius the Great is not okay, but I am here with full enthusiasm for your beautiful, beautiful book. And Adib, I just think that that the the depth of this wonderful character, as well as um, the nerdiness and awesomeness of this wonderful character, is something that I found irresistible. And so I really feel honored that you're sitting down to talk with me today. That that means a lot to me. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I love uh, getting to talk about Darius and all his all of his nerdy uh, wonderfulness. So, also, yes. like, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it's just nice whenever I meet anyone who's read my book. <laughs> <laughs> because we, it, okay, so your was Darius your debut? Darius was my debut. Okay, so I want to talk to you at some point about like the lead up to what it means to be a a debut person, and when you cross that threshold, then of having like a book out. You are now a published author. You will never not be a published author, right? This but, is true. But <laughs> that's true. All right. Thank you for affirming that. <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> but but what it means to know then that your work that was yours, that was like close to your chest, yours, only being shared with the people that you choose to share it with, is now shared with everyone for them to see what they want to see in it, for them to observe and connect with Darius in a in in the way that, that that they will as readers is such a really special thing and i also know that you don't always get to hear those connections although i guess writing in ya you're you're probably more likely to hear from from your readers directly than than in any other case i do feel like i get to hear from readers sometimes uh, going to festivals and events is a good way to connect with like teens that have actually read it. Um, and occasionally they'll reach out to me through social media as well. But I feel like a lot of my interactions have actually been with adult readers who've read Darius, who said it touched something and you know, connected with their teenage selves. Um, and then when I get to do school visits, that's like excellent quality time 
with actual young readers. Oh, and it is like... definitely... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I feel so connected with Darius that I just want to keep calling him Dariush because <laughs> of listening to the audiobook. I just feel like this is a boy that I would be friends with, that I would be close with. Um, and so I know also going into this that there's a lot of you in this book because at least from all of my experience interviewing people, it always seems like it's hard not to put ourselves into our story, that that it's an expression of, of us in one way or another. But I'm, I'm realizing, Adib, that we're, we're talking an awful lot about this book without actually really laying down what the book is for those that, that haven't read Darius the Great is not okay. Would you oh. mind sort of giving the, the, the book talk that you do to folks that haven't read this book yet? Sure, sure. Uh, so Darius the Great is Not Okay follows 15-year-old Darius Kellner, who is nerdy, overweight, uh, frequently bullied a little bit at school. He loves tea and he loves Star Trek. And he has never really connected with the Iranian side of his heritage. But when his maternal grandfather in Iran uh, is diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor, his, he and his whole family go to Iran. And it's his first time visiting he gets to connect with his grandparents there, his extended family, and he gets to be friends with his grandparents' neighbor, a boy named Sohrab, who he develops a very uh, real and intense friendship with for the first time in his life. And it's oh. very nerdy and full of lots of tea and Star Trek and, most importantly, Persian food. And Lord of the Rings and Nazgul's, Nazgul, Nazgul. Yes. There were there were <laughs> lots of moments that I was really... also. Just to really nerd out with you, I wanted to know, um, sort of in a silly way, if your favorite level number is eight, because I kept noticing like the sweet spot of of whatever the level of situation that that Darius was in was like a level eight. I wouldn't say it is my favorite, but I think maybe it's Darius's. It's like Darius's go to, and I there were moments like that throughout that I just felt like oh my word, I know this character and I know this individual, this boy so well, I think Adib, inevitably because you knew and know Darius so well. So how did you meet Darius? How did this story come to you as, as wanting to pull from an experience or did you meet the character first? What was, how, what did approach it? What did approaching this book look like for you? I actually started writing this book in the spring of 2015. I had just written the end on a completely different uh, book that I thought was unique and brilliant and no one else would ever think of something like it. And <laughs> every Tuesday and Thursday, Publishers Weekly sends out a newsletter with all the new deal announcements. And I wrote the end on a Monday and on Tuesday, the email blast went out and one of the deals announced sounded exactly like what I had just finished. <laughs> and I was distraught. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was actually visiting my own uh, family. The Iranian side of my family mostly lives in Vancouver, British Columbia now after emigrating in the 80s. And uh, I thought, well, what's something that no one else could possibly write? And then I looked around at my family. I was like, oh, uh, I have it. <laughs> um, and from there, Darius sort of emerged organically. I've always really liked the name Darius. And that got me thinking about what it would be like to have a name that's has all this historical significance to it. And I think that internal conflict informed a lot of his neuroses and they kind of blossomed from there. I also, I came to a realization very early in the writing process that I was technically closer in age to Darius's parents than I was to Darius. 
And so I knew I wanted to have really like well-rounded and full parent relationships. And I always thought that as a you know professional Star Trek fan, uh, my children will eventually be forced to endure watching Star Trek with me. And so that was a great character trait to give to Darius's dad. <laughs> and I think allowing him to love something like that in a way that I think many teenagers can love something deeply and knowledgeably and it's kind of often disrespected i wanted to instead respect darius's love for it and his kind of deep nerdiness i like that you call yourself a professional fan too that was nice thank you i um i'm still actually hoping to get paid for it but i'm (laughs) going to call myself a professional anyway technically star trek folks i name dropped all of these episodes by name come on (laughs) right and technically i got paid to write a book and in the book there are mentions of star trek and therefore i am now a professional star trek fan that's how it works in my in my i can see that you did get paid to write a book with star trek information so totally indeed all those nights when i was a child reading myself to sleep with the star trek encyclopedia next to bed have finally paid off (laughs) congratulations on that thank you Uh, you've you've arrived if not, ooh, I, so the crossover will will be if you if you've not already had this will be um, meeting those readers that uh, that are big Star Trek fans and having that connection as well in this story to to Darius. But as I'm saying it, I feel like you must have already met kids that are into Star Trek, right? I have, and uh, what's exciting is that. Uh, with the 2009 reboot, even though like I didn't love them, I did appreciate them, and they brought Star Trek to a whole new audience. And now with Discovery on CBS and the forthcoming Picard series, which I am so excited for, um, there's going to be a whole bunch more Star Trek lovers, and that's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. The trailer for the new movie looks crazy. Or I guess that's the show. It is a show. It is the show. But it is the show. I, maybe I should put it this way then. As with all of the other Marvel announcements as well, the the line between show and movie is getting really blurry. Um, production is just, it's a really great time to be a nerd. Or maybe what we're seeing is like, thank you, internet, for connecting all of us and making us realize that there were like way more of us out there than there weren't. So um, yay for that. It is true. I actually kind of came of age right as the internet was becoming a way for fans to gather together. Right. I was, I think... Are we the same age-ish? Probably. I don't know. I was born in 84. I was 81. So okay. I'm right around there so too. So very close. Yeah. So I was like 13 when I got on my first internet relay chat chat room, which was a gathering of fans of the animated Transformers series. Yes. And it was All like right. my first time connecting with fellow nerds, and it was really exciting. It was terribly unhealthy for me because... Uh, my teenage years were very fraught, and uh, I think, especially in those early days, people didn't know how to draw boundaries online, and that's something I still mm. struggle with today, but it was definitely um, both a fulfilling and a dark time for me, and I think I came out stronger for it. But yeah, it was it was rough at times. So, speaking of this rough time, I hate to just like go straight here. But I think that... No, it's okay. It, it, scoop, it bears... the, scoop the inner meat out of me like a crab. It's fine. Scoop it out. Oh, no. But I think that it, it, it bears uh, pointing out that, that in this book, and this is something that I have close personal connections with as well, but in this book, um, Darius struggles with depression and struggles also with, with in some cases, being, being shamed for taking medication, for being depressed, for, um, you know, something that 
is inflicting him that other people might not understand uh, at a time when he perhaps feels like no one understands him as it is. And um, I want to talk about what that might have been like to have that in this story, just knowing that that there are uh, children that maybe your readers aren't aware that the way that they feel, I, I need to just use I statements. <laughs> I was not aware that the way I was feeling growing up, um, that I didn't have to feel that way. Um, and when I read this book, I saw a lot of those truths in the way that you wrote Darius's story, um, reaching out to tell readers as as well as to 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 in so many ways tell Darius that that the the way you are is okay, that you're okay. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling and unlock your creative potential with a team of story coaches and published professionals helping you achieve your creative goals. Sign up today at storytelleracademy.com. So I wonder I wonder if that's a message that, that you heard early on uh, or something that you've come to through your journey as a writer, through your journey as in your, in your um, end note, you talk about your struggle with depression as a child um, and offer so many helpful resources to your readers. I wonder what that journey has looked like for you, if it's okay for me to ask that. It is. Um, I, I try to be fairly open about my experiences. I've been lucky in that they have, on the whole, been milder than a lot of other people. I was diagnosed when I was like 12 or 13 and went on medication at that point and uh, spent several years uh, trying to find like a good combination. Meanwhile, I was in therapy for, I want to say like four or five years. Um, and as I got older, uh, I ended up needing therapy less and needing medication less as I kind of developed other strategies to deal with it. But on the whole, it was a... Um, I don't know, it was like a whole shadow that was cast over my teenage years because that's when it was at its worst. And coming out the other side of it, recognizing the support that I got from my family, which was really incredible. Um, my family has a long history with mental illness, so my uh, parents were prepared to deal with it, thankfully. Um, hmm. That really kind of set me on a good path for life. But I also was aware of lots of people who have had worse times of it. Um, I have lost family members to suicide. Uh, and I know there are lots of people out there who deal with suicidal ideation and other forms of mental illness. Um, and at the same time, when I was writing Darius and thinking about writing someone with mental illness, it was at a time when there were a whole bunch of books that all seemed to release pretty close together, that all uh, had either characters that committed suicide or family members who had committed suicide or love interests who committed suicide. And I felt like there was this weird, almost romanticization of the suicide narrative. And not only that, but it became this kind of overriding depression narrative. And writing Darius as someone who lived with depression and who wasn't defined by it and who did not have any crises related to it, uh, ended up being really important to me. I value that you wrote 
that character. I feel like that's something that comes up a lot when we talk about, well, when we talk about all kinds of literature, but in a lot of own voices literature, I'm thinking specifically of, of like stories featuring African-American characters and making sure that they don't always take place in some urban setting against the police or in a, a, a queer story um, that they don't, that they're not always about coming out amidst, you know, the rejection of your parents or, or I guess some other trope, things like that, that when I read this book, um, and maybe this is just a way for me to express myself as one of your readers to you. Um, when I read this book, I saw that nuance and complexity to mental illness and I saw space and I saw, um, I saw someone trying to, trying to be an ally. And that was something that meant a lot to me. I don't really know that I'm maybe ready to fully express it right here in words, but I guess in five or seven months time, when you and I talk <laughs> inevitably again on Twitter, I'll be able to be like, now Adib, now I have the words to tell you how much I value um, exactly what you did. But there's just something ineffable about what, what you did in this book that really um, stuck with me uh, and, and wouldn't leave. And I think in that way really bonded me with Darius and um, made him an individual that I couldn't stop thinking about. And, and I wonder, or I hope in some way, if, if some of your readers aren't also having that experience. I certainly hope so. Um, before I became a writer, I actually studied theater because I wanted to be a lighting designer before it turned out that I did not want to be a lighting designer. But um, one of the pieces of advice, and I'm paraphrasing it terribly, and I do not know where it came from or like who it was paraphrasing but it's really stuck with me. And it's that um, when you make the universal specific, the specific becomes universal. Yeah. And I feel like that really drove Darius's expression as a character. Um, and that in telling this kind of singular story and his reaction to the events going on, it ended up kind of being more than the sum of its parts for people. Or at least that's, that's what I think was operating. I um I want to jump to Sarab because of of also the way that you showed a new relationship in that. I feel like maybe the words I'm looking for are are some sort of like a breakdown of toxic masculinity through their relationship, but just that you have this boy who who is willing to be um I'm not going to find the right words, but is willing to be so affectionate, maybe is how we would observe it, with Darius, um, with hands on his shoulder or hands around, um, around Darius's back, or just a closeness that, um, a closeness that that I think speaks to um, the intimacy of friendship that we see from him from the outset with gift giving, with 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 um praise and kindness and and just really good solid i think love shown to Darius in a way that i think that that um perhaps some boys or men are afraid to show for for what perhaps might be the recourse for being 
being that way in front of other men. Again, like I'm really working out a lot personally here through this book. I apologize <laughs> for doing this, but but I I was, I mean, Adib, this book just hit on some things for me. I was I was a, a, a kid. I grew up in a time that um, there were a lot of words thrown around for being affectionate or close with with another male friend. Um, just hateful words that implied one thing and 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 made me feel shame and confusion and and a whole lot of i don't know what um but just saving that space for things to be just as they are without having to read into anything and i see that darius's parents do that as well for darius they save that space for this very special friendship this very close friendship to just be what it is. Uh, I know that that's intentional. And um, I don't know the length to which you had to go to secure the way that that relationship was portrayed, or if that's just the way it came out expressed to you from draft number one. But I, I really appreciate the complexity and closeness of their relationship. Thank you. Uh, it definitely was basically that way from the start. When I was a teenager, all of the most important relationships in my life were friendshiped. Friendshiped? That's not, that's not, all of, like, my friendships <laughs> were what defined me. I think yeah. I once heard it said that, like, all of us are a combination of the people we, sp the five people we spend the most time with. And mm. I have found that to be frequently true in my life. And when I was a teenager, those people were my friends. And so I really wanted to write a book about friendship. In addition to that, I was very intentional about grappling with toxic masculinity. Um, I tried my best to write Darius's father as someone who is doing his best to deconstruct it for his son, to uh, model better behavior, and I don't think he always uh, hit the mark. And I think sometimes he he expected that uh, simply acting a certain way without explaining it or without talking about it would convey the message. And I do think sometimes we have to talk about things. Um, but that was quite deliberate. And I also thought it was interesting that in Iran, there are just different rules for uh, how platonic friends interact. It's quite common for men to hold hands walking down the street or put their arms around each other and it be a, just a simple expression of platonic love. And I thought it would be really interesting for Darius to grapple with that as someone who is unfamiliar with it, um, to experience it from a friend for the first time. And not only that, but I did, and this is something that came out in later drafts as I kind of slowly realized that Darius was uh, queer, but how to, how to interpret that kind of affection um, when he's only seen it modeled romantically, but then have it given to him platonically. Um, I thought introduced a really interesting tension to him. And mm. um, <laughs> you a lot are of people, not wrong. <laughs> right? And a lot of people um, ask me if it's like supposed to be romantic. And I truly believe that books do belong to reader, do belong to readers yeah. and um, that it's ultimately up to them to, how to interpret it. But I think for me personally, I was always trying to write um, 
my agent Molly O'Neill likes to call it the love story of a friendship. And oh. I think that, that that kind of love can be absolutely transformative in our lives. And I hope that that's what I expressed in Darius. I'm writing that down. The love story of a friendship. My word, I love that. It's copyright the... Molly O'Neill at Root Literary. Mm. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's something really special. It's something really special. And, and there's never time devoted to um, Darius sort of like outwardly struggling with, do I love this boy? Do I not? It's just this, this pure, this pure friendship. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I um, see in so many different ways, the way that taking this trip for Darius to Iran allowed him to view relationships differently um, you talked about the five people in your life, those five friends that, that help define who you are. And I think about the people that you brought into Darius's life when he went to Iran and how that, that helped to define him as he returned home as well. Um, I think about this wonderful relationship with his grandfather and even the words you give him at times where he says like, we were never close. He's more of a stranger to me. I just kind of see him when we Skype or whatever. And, um, and the, the way that just through these little, little actions that, that Darius didn't even know about because they were things that I don't know, like Sarab is revealing about the grandfather. Um, I think that that speaks back to, to all of those things that, that we can learn about the people in our lives and, and what we mean to them um, and to maybe not be so quick to, to make assumptions, but, but the way that these different relationships really are, are holding Darius up in such unique and different ways, his sister and what um, she means to him, the time with dad and, and what Star Trek is for them and what it means when that feels encroached upon or threatened um, just all these little, all these little things, what it means to, to be able to speak, um, in Farsi or not, there's just all these different things that are just, uh, all of these moments where, where, where Darius is, is, is just growing. And I feel like we get to be sort of uncomfortable with him as the reader. We get to see him struggle. And in that way, we're struggling along beside him. And, um, and I think that made the story so compelling, uh, and so hard to turn away from. Um, and, and it made me feel like, you know, so much more about Darius <laughs> that you're not telling us, but I really value that, that you just, I feel like you've known him for a long while and you, you know, what life has been for him since the book ended. And, um, and I guess where I should land is that I, I appreciate that now you have chances to see readers and to hear, to hear where they are with Darius and, and how they're thinking about him. That's, I think probably been the most rewarding part of this whole thing is um, telling a story that has connected with people that has uh, enabled them to 
mm, talk about their own friendships and the people that define them, talk about their own families. Um, some of the most frequent uh, feedback I get is from other children of diaspora who say, you know, I'm not Iranian, my family is from Mexico, or my family is from the Philippines, or my family is from China, but I don't get to see them very often. I feel like Darius, I don't speak the language, but I wish I did. And it's been a really awesome uh, kind of unifying human moment that I've gotten to share with a lot of people. I like that in, in your sharing this, that the line you always give Darius, there were like these two major quirks about him that I always picked up, which was the level eight stuff, as mentioned previously, but also Persia is, Persians are. The, the just that here is what i've observed just so you all know reading this book here is what i know about persians and i found it to be just really charming in the way that a kid is like owning who he is and he's like let me tell you what i've observed and i just yeah there were just moments like that that were so sweet um for all that he struggled with with feeling like he was not connected to that part of his heritage, there was so much that was so, that was so connected that um, I think much like all of those members of his, his, his friends, his family could, could share about relationships back with him to say, Oh no, your grandfather really cares about you even more than you realize because he does all these things. I think likewise, we, the reader get to put back on Darius, how much he truly cares about Iran and, and, his life and his family there because of um, how much ownership he has over it. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> also, I found, <laughs> I found the experience of when someone loves something so much, nerds out over something so much, it well, all the Lord of the Rings talk. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go read Lord of the Rings again, aren't I? Cause like, I can't stop thinking about it, <laughs> but the tease, especially I was like, I can't, stop thinking about boiling the tea to 120 degrees and doing this and not letting it steep too long and whatever, just all the, all the things it was, it was just great. Are you Thank a tea you. drinker? Also Adib, where does tea a, come from? I am a tremendous tea drinker. Uh, the, tea, okay. the tea angle came from right around when I had started writing Darius. Um, after visiting my family, I was actually taking a road trip to visit my friend in Seattle who is a, a fellow tea aficionado. Um, she's the one that introduced me to the Northwest Tea Festival, which is every fall in Seattle. And I make the pilgrimage every, there every year that I can. And after visiting her, we had a plan to go visit our favorite tea store in Portland. Um, it's like a three and a half hour drive from Seattle to Portland. <laughs> and so we went and did that and just, it was my first time going to the tasting room for this tea shop that I've only like been buying their tea online or seeing them at festivals. And it was just this really great adventure. And I think that love of tea just, it was in the right place at the right time to become a part of who Darius was. Uh, and I think, also, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I know, I was, sometimes I think creating characters is a little bit like um, just putting bits of ourselves into like a blender and hitting go and then seeing what pours out. <laughs> and, and my love of tea and Star Trek ended up in Darius's blender because I think that's what was on my mind when I was writing. Big time. I was also probably hungry a lot when I was writing, which is why there's so much food in the book. <laughs> That's fair. 
I think I always think about like school visits and what librarians do for authors that visit schools, whether it's like a gift they make for you, a lunch they prepare, a meal they prepare, or like decorations in the school or what have you. I don't know if that happens so much in high school. It totally happens in elementary school all the time. But um, I think about just, it, it can't happen much, but just like that, those rare occasions when a, a, a child, a teenager or a librarian or somebody is just going to like bring you really fancy tea and there'll just be this connection. And I, I just sort of get goosebumps thinking about those connections, but I should say more importantly that um, I do see Adib that you poured so much of yourself into this story. And I, I really value what came out. I really value this story you chose to share with all of us. I really, um, it means a lot to me, the way that you expressed Darius the way that you expressed his family, uh, his story. Um, I think you did such a beautiful job and I, I really can't wait to read whatever's next. Thank you for putting time aside to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. I want to leave you with this question for your, for you and for your readers. And then I know inevitably as I <laughs> send you off into the internet, into the ethos that we will be connected later. But before that, I'll say that I'll see a library full of children soon. Is there a message, Adib, that I can bring to them from you? Um, how old are they going to be? Do you know? Let's or is it like with, a hypothetical? Let's go with any age, because I do directly send share these stories, these messages with my pre-K to grade four, but I know that a number of listeners that work all the way through high school also share these messages. So just with your readers, Adib, is there a message that we can share to them? I think it's important for everyone, no matter how old they are, um, if they look at the world as it is today and they are as alarmed as I am, to use their voice. And if they're old enough to vote or they're about to be voting age, to exercise that right. And if they're too young to vote, make sure they're talking to the people in their life that are old enough to vote and reminding them um, of what is in fact right and what it means to be a human and to interact with other humans in this world and, um, and use their rage at what the world is like to shape a better one. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? 
writing a review on iTunes, or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.